All right, we got here Andrew Cap in our virtual studio today. Andrew is a best-selling author, huge law of attraction thought leader, and just released a new book called Three Words I Use to Sell 100,000 Books, which I'm super intrigued about. Andrew, how's it going, man? It's going great, Antonio, and thank you to you and Landon for having me. I'm really excited to be here and looking forward to wherever this conversation might take us. Yeah, of course, and who knows where this conversation is going to take us. I know we had talked a little bit before on the podcast about some of the stuff that you got going on, but why don't we start a little bit about bringing us back to your early days and where you started and how you got to where you are today. Yeah, wow. It's the challenge, you know, hopefully I won't be talking for an hour as I give you that. It's like, okay, how do I give like the short version of this? But I mean, I will say this. I've been an entrepreneur for over 20 years, succeeding and failing in business and hopefully learning what I can in, in every single instance. What's really got going on for me lately is kind of a callback to 2004 where I learned about the law of attraction. And obviously, you know, I was just, you know, a young kid trying to find the secret to happiness and success in life. Four years into trying that and losing my business and my girlfriend of three years, I finally kind of clicked where, well, let me just try to do this thing every day for five minutes and nothing else. And suddenly something clicked and everything in my life changed, you know, my relationship, my money, all these different pieces. And it wasn't until 11 years later that I finally gave myself permission to write a book about the law of attraction, which is uh, the last law of attraction book you'll ever need to read. And obviously I want to bring something new to the conversation, given the fact that there's like over a thousand books out there and why just put out another one if it's not going to say something new. But along the way of that, it kind of, it took off even better than I could have expected. And I ended up selling over a hundred thousand copies of the book. And throughout that process, friends were coming to me saying, Hey, Andrew, how are you doing this? How are you selling all these copies? And I'd get on calls with them and I'd kind of break down my entire mostly organic approach to this. Um, but I thought, you know what, let me just write a book about this because I don't want to charge my friends, but I can't keep getting on these hour long calls saying the same thing. Hence the new book, three words I use to sell 100,000 books. So I'm kind of like straddling two different niches at the same time and kind of like it's jumping between the two and ideally giving as much value in, in both arenas and, and just kind of following where it takes me. So 2004 is when all this started, you're saying? Well, in terms of this journey, yeah, because like that's when wow. I first learned about the law of attraction. And that's when mm -hmm. I started on that journey. And two years before that, I'd started my first business. So this mm -hmm. is like a long journey. This isn't yeah. like an overnight success type of situation. This is like a 20 years of bumping all over the place and knocking my yeah. head into a few walls before almost like stumbling into a thing where, and I'm sure a lot of people listening can relate, where lessons that you learn the hard way, suddenly there's a seamless flow of you don't even have to think about it. You just make a better decision on something only because you failed 10 times before and you learned the hard way not to make that, not to make the mistake with it, but to actually go in the right direction. Yeah, that's amazing. What, so talk, talk to us a little bit about what those years looked like before, you know, before the book and before all that, what were some of the businesses that you were involved in, the business you started and just all that background, that'd be, that'd yeah. be cool to hear. Well, the very first business that, you know, utter failure was it was an art production studio. And basically I I'd grown up like following like, you know, Todd McFarlane and the founders of Image Comics, very inspired by, you know, people say, oh, it's a comic book artist who made himself rich. I kind of viewed him as an entrepreneur, even as a kid, I viewed him as an entrepreneur who just happened to draw comic books and who took his business sense and parlayed that through his talent into a lot of success. I wanted to be a comic book artist and do the same thing. Unfortunately, I sucked. I wasn't very good. <laughs> so I downgraded myself to comic strip artist. I'm like, okay, let me take on Garfield, see how that's going to work. That didn't work so well either. Just, you know, the, the comic strip I kind of came up with, it never really hit. So in the beginning, I was just like bouncing around. But the funny thing about that is, even though 
that part of the business wasn't taking off. I was very good at networking and very good at like connecting with people. So I started to transform the business more into a marketing type of situation. By then though, the kind of the horse was out of the barn. It was too late. The first business failed. And then in between years of sometimes having a nine to five, sometimes not, I did a lot of side hustles. I started doing copywriting. I started doing marketing consulting. So it's been like this really weird journey of, you know, upping, hopefully, ideally, hopefully I'm just not deluded here, but upping my skills and upping my, you know, increasing my skill set and just getting better at marketing, at copywriting, at basically taking what I know about the human condition and human psychology and leveraging that to provide solutions, not only solutions that people are looking for in a specific area, like law of attraction, like book selling, but also with the understanding and the hope that the content works, finding the right way of presenting it and putting it in front of people so that they're actually going to be willing to give it a try to begin with. That's amazing. And so you fast forward throughout that journey, 2004, that's where you get the spark. Talk about, I mean, do you mind talking a little bit about the book itself? Just kind of the, the mile wide foot deep story on that and just the main core value that, that folks are getting from that original. Yeah. So, no, not at all, by the way. <laughs> I, it's like, you got to get me to shut up about that stuff because I love talking about <laughs> I it. Love it. And, you know, obviously, you know, <clears throat> a title like the last Law of Attraction book you'll ever need to read, very ambitious, very bold promise. And by the way, not something I recommend because, you know, you put out a book like that, you're, you're already kind of like in a negative in that you've over, you've possibly overhyped it and people are going to be way more critical as they're reviewing your book. So the fact that it got five-star reviews is hugely humbling because of that. But <clears throat> the idea behind that is I knew what it was like to read Law of Attraction book after book after book after book. And what it felt like to get excited about the Law of Attraction, what it felt like to start implementing manifesting methods and get results, and then inexplicably quit, inexplicably stop what I'm doing and have things just go back to normal. And it took four years before figuring out how to, how to finally sort that out. And so the whole goal of the book is to kind of hold up a mirror to that type of reader, show them why they've been getting in their way and why they've been stopping and basically give them a free pass to stop stopping and to finally implement the methods long enough to get a result. And then once they get a result, they don't need the book to teach them. They don't need me to teach them because their life experience shows them at that point. And I'm sure you guys will agree. Once something happens in your own life experience, nobody can ever take that away from you. Nobody can ever replace what that experience actually feels like inside of you. That's so well said. So let's go a little bit more vertical. And I want people to obviously read the book, but let's lay the foundation a little bit here. Tell us a little bit more about your view of what law of attraction means and how can we get started on implementing that at a very basic level? Absolutely. Law of attraction is basically the premise that everything is energy. Your energy, the devices we're speaking on here is energy, and our thoughts are energy. And all energy vibrates at frequencies, and like frequencies tend to vibrate in resonance with other like frequencies, which is a somewhat fancy way of saying if this is true and anyone wants to look at it from a strategic point of view, that means you can intentionally choose specific thoughts that will ideally help attract a better preferred reality into your life, assuming those thoughts are coupled with good emotions, which is an indicator that you're actually thinking about the thing and attracting it, versus feeling bad about it, which negative emotions, in which you're inadvertently thinking about the lack of it and keeping it away. And the way for me, like for me, the People hear that and all of a sudden it's like a huge weight on their shoulders. I mean, it's exciting, but it's like, whoa, I've got to make sure I'm thinking perfectly now every day. I'm attracting bad stuff if I'm not. And I'm more of the mindset of like, no, look at the history of your life. Like you're not in a constant, you know, mode of, of attracting horrible things. You're kind of like in the middle. You track good things, you track bad things. And this is more about calmly 
and also strategically saying, okay, what can I do different here? How can I strategically find ways of feeling better for even just pockets in the day? Because most people will read and, you know, you hook someone up to a machine and scientifically you'll see that positive thoughts and emotions are so much more powerful than negative thoughts and emotions, meaning literally, and I found this at least in my own life, you could spend five minutes a day focusing on the things that you want and feeling great about it. And that will be more than enough to give you that positive momentum of your vibration and your energy towards those things. And a quick PS, if you don't believe in the law of attraction, you don't believe in energy, that's fine. Think of this from the mindset and from the perspective of accessing your subconscious mind, which is still to this day, the most powerful supercomputer that exists and feeding that the information, feeding that the instructions, knowing that your subconscious mind really can make those calculations needed to guide you towards actions, activities, and decisions that'll get you closer to the things that you want as well. Mm -hmm. I think it's such a common theme as I've explored this concept over the last couple of years, and by no means am I an expert at all, but I think a lot of people get down on themselves early because they think that they should only be thinking positive thoughts. Like sometimes we can't control those thoughts, especially early on. And so like, it's not a bad thing that those thoughts pass through, but it is about what you implement in terms of action. Right. Yeah, so and it's, you, it's you actually, I'm sorry, just real quick. It's a trap by the way. Also, like once you feel bad about the th bad thoughts, you're going to feel bad about feeling bad. And then all of a sudden it becomes a vicious cycle in that way. So it's very important to be kind and understanding and patient with yourself so that you don't fall into that trap. Very well said. And I noticed that early on. So I actually had to build in like a manifestation on my mirror. Actually, and I wrote down, I would just recite it every day. And it's not something I continually do now because I built the muscle, but I would say, I am not my thoughts. I am what I do. Right. So a mm. thought passes through and then whatever I act upon, that's the identity that I identify myself with. So what are some of those actions that we can take based upon those thoughts? You know, what are some very small, minute little details that we can implement maybe even a minute a day when it comes to practicing this stuff. Yeah, and absolutely. As I answer that real quick, just to, to give you credit, I love the way what you successfully did there was based on your own perspective, your own psychology, your own paradigm of the world. You found a way of reframing it and kind of like releasing the pressure valve on yourself. So I love that. Anyone that can do that in any way for themselves, that in and of itself is a good move. But if anyone listening doesn't really know how to do that, think of it this way. All you really need to do is focus on things that you're grateful for. Like you said, it could be a minute. It could be 30 seconds. It could be three minutes. It could be five minutes. In fact, one of the methods from my book, my favorite ones to teach, just because you could learn it in under a minute is the gratitude blitz. And all you're basically going to do is you're going to set a timer for whatever you want. It can be 30 seconds. It could be three minutes, but you set that timer and then you just sit around thinking of things in your life to be grateful for. And I know that sounds overly simplistic, which is another way of people talking themselves out of doing it. But the thing about it is 30 seconds into that, you're going to feel kind of like, all right, this is cool. But two minutes, three minutes, five minutes, when you're thinking after thing, after thing, after thing in your life, regardless of your difficulties, you come to the conclusion of like, whoa, life is actually pretty awesome. And for anyone out there listening, and by the way, I'm not saying that, that life is perfect, and I'm not saying that anyone listening isn't going through hardships. My life is certainly not perfect. But no matter what's going on in life, no matter what frustrations, no matter what inconveniences, whether big or small, how could you not be grateful for your heart that's been beating in your chest every single second of every minute, of every hour, of every day, of every week, of every month, of every year, of every decade that you've been alive? How could you not be grateful for the device that you carry around that you can use to communicate around the world, that you can use to access any information, that you can use to solve your financial situation by starting and running a business and researching everything you need on Google or YouTube or anywhere else to get you the information that you need to implement, to say nothing 
of solving your love life by going on dating apps or finding strategies for dating, whether it's male or female, to say nothing of your health concerns and having research to solve your health concerns and learn about nutrition, like all these things to be grateful for, your limbs, your arms, your fingers, your feet, your toes. By the way, look at how easy this is for me. Just like you were saying, Antonio, about like it's a muscle that you work. This is a wonderful muscle where when you do it every single day, besides the fact that it's easy and besides the fact that it's enjoyable, it becomes a skill that you build on. And because it's a skill and it's easier, you enjoy it even more. And because you enjoy it even more, you're even more consistent. Because you're more consistent, you get momentum. And through that momentum, the results will come by hook or by crook. And the, the name of our podcast and our brand is Consistency Wins. So we couldn't relate to that more. But yeah, I think I, I heard something the other day and I've heard it a couple of times recently over the last six to eight months, just a, a familiarity effect of hearing it. I'm looking for it almost at this point. But the worst thing that's ever happened to you is the worst thing that's ever happened to you. So it's all perspective, right? So I love that that concept of just resetting something as simple as just sitting down and reflecting and having gratitude on your life kind of reshapes and reframes your current state in that moment, you know? Yeah, Landon, I couldn't agree more. And, and by the way, for me, I, I've been a, a cynical person. I've been that person where if you told me like, hey, just, you know, look at this in a different way and everything's okay. And I'm like, well, you know, you're talking to a guy who lost his business and his girlfriend of three years old in one week and he hated that process. It's like, oh, I don't want to hear that. And I realized it about myself, but I also realized strategically, it's not even about like just getting over it and forgiving, even though that obviously is a powerful thing. But if someone that can't get over something, someone that can't find forgiveness, it's not even about that. It's about being strategic and saying, I have identified through my research and through looking at other people and just seeing the world around me that if I could find a way of feeling good, regardless of anything negative, I am going to invite a higher probability of more good things happening for me. So why wouldn't I make that intentional choice? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This might come across cynical in some light, but I look at things like, at the end of the day, life can be suffering, right? Like life is suffering to some extent. There's there's bad things that happen in life. But if you're able to come to a place where you accept some of the things that take place in life that are not desirable, that are painful, you can understand that there's even beauty in that as well. Yes. Yeah. Me personally, I never, never, never welcome suffering, again, right. as a strategy because I don't want to invite it into my life. However, right. in those times when I do, I do my best to find meaning and to find value and to find lessons, even though that's a cliche because, again, it's so powerful and useful to me. Yeah. That's so it, well said. Oh, well, sorry. Go, go ahead, guys. Well, I was going to say one last thing there. It, it's... It's a difference between looking at life happening to you versus happening for you, oh. it, no matter what the situation is, right? So no, I'll go ahead. Go ahead, Antonio. I just wanted to well, say that last yeah, part. What I, what I was saying to piggyback off that in a current event light, a big name getting thrown out there all the time is the, the guy Andrew Tate, if everyone's familiar there. And mm, Andrew yeah. Tate has some pretty controversial thoughts. And what, one of the biggest ones was him talking about how depression doesn't exist. Now, I think that there's an actual condition called depression, but what he was trying to say when you listen to it in a little bit more long-form thought, which is applicable to this conversation, is the fact that he doesn't invite depression into his life. So he just doesn't acknowledge that it's going to exist in his personal life, and he's going to continue to manifest and use the law of attraction for more positive things in his life. So if it doesn't exist, he's just cutting out that cancer of his life. Does that make sense, guys? Is that is that a little yeah, bit yeah. Is that something that's a little bit more relevant to this conversation? Because I feel like that's something that people could take away with like, all right, guys, these things exist. But if you continue to play the victim mentality, those things are going to continue to exist in your life and manifest and show up. But if you can just say, hey, I'm going to be a victor of this situation and put great things and take great actions, then those things no longer exist in your life. And that's really the perspective that I tried to take on for so long now. 
Yeah, it's so interesting you brought that up, Antonio, because even during, you know, Law of Attraction, during the last set part where I was answering a question, in my mind, I'm like, uh, Andrew Tate comes up as a good example I could bring up here. I wonder if I should bring that up. And here you brought him into the conversation for me. <laughs> and the funny thing that that thing you were talking about, Andrew Tate, I, I saw that conversation with Pierce Morgan. And the thing that was interesting to me, and I know Piers Morgan kind of like had a job to do and he had to challenge him just on principle, even if he agreed with him or not. Mm -hmm. As Andrew was explaining that, as he was being very clear and like, listen, I, I'm not acknowledging it because it's, val it's more valuable to me to not acknowledge and it makes me stronger. Rather than even hearing saying that, Piers Morgan refused to hear it. And I think whether it's an Andrew Tate or another controversial figure, I would caution people from disregarding what they say, even if there's certain things that you don't agree with, because by automatically just disregarding something, you're taking yourself out of a conversation that might be valuable to you in some way. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's going to be a snippet right there. I, I love what you just said there. Now, can we shift a little bit to the science of this stuff? Now, yeah. tell mm -hmm. us a little bit more about how the reticular activating system plays a role in this whole thing. Yeah, it's funny. I've, I've got so much to say on this, but by that same token, before I say it, I am, I, I want to, so if I may, Antonio, I want to give two things before I even get to that piece. Please. I want to give the part pre-explanation and it's almost going to negate the need for an explanation. All the explanation is really powerful. The way I try to explain law of attraction to people, because a lot of people, they doubt it and they're not about it or, or even just a positive mindset. They're not about that for whatever reason, most likely because they heard about it, they tried it and it didn't work which I can also discuss why it didn't work in heavy detail. But the way I try to explain this to people is kind of like lifting weights to get muscles. Very over oversimplified, but everyone understands that. The reason you have someone that they lift, weight, they lift weights to get muscles. I'll give two explanations as to how this actually works. We'll do the science of this one. Science of this is explanation number one is you work out and then you go to sleep. And while you're sleeping, the muscle fairy comes and waves a magic wand and poof, you wake up the next day with muscles. Explanation number two is when you are working out, you're actually putting so much stress on your body that your muscles are tearing in certain areas. And then your body responds by filling in those gaps with more muscle fiber, hence more muscles. Now, that's an oversimplified explanation, obviously, but I, I guarantee you, if I ask someone which is the right way, they'd say, well, Andrew, obviously, the second explanation is the accurate one, to which I would say, well, unless you're you know, a physical therapist or a personal trainer or something, it doesn't matter which one is the right answer. What matters is you lift weights, you get muscles. You put in X, you get Y. And by that same token, if you engage in five minutes a day of gratitude without concerning yourself to the how or the when of you getting what you want, things will happen for you. And when they happen, please don't give me credit. Don't give my book credit. Don't give the law of attraction credit. Don't give the universe credit. But at least acknowledge for yourself, notice for yourself that you took this action, you got this result, and use that as a motivation to keep going. Now, with that in mind, reticular activating system, this actually works in line with this perfectly because this is one of the ways by which this actually comes for you. And I kind of think of it like, imagine the example of someone they want to get a job promotion. And a lot of people that hear like law of attraction or anything else are like, well, I've been thinking about getting that job promotion for a year, Andrew, where is it? To which I asked them, okay, when you think about that job promotion, are you doing it with a sense of confidence and enthusiasm and excitement? Or are you doing it from a sense of, fear, frustration, doubt, and patience. Because if you're doing it through that sense, you are actually inadvertently thinking about the lack of the promotion and reaffirming that to you. And which that's where the reticular activating system comes in. And you notice things that are holding you back. You think that your boss resents you because they say something in a way that insults you, or you, you start getting asked to work in on a Saturday when you don't want to, and it's picking up on that. Or you're 
So you find yourself going down the wrong way to work where the commute gets longer. Whereas on the other end of things, if you're actually focusing on with enthusiasm, your reticular activating system is going to notice opportunities for you. It's going to notice that that expression on your boss's face and say, oh, the boss wasn't pissed off at me. He was actually laughing and he found my joke funny. Or, oh, I'm excited about going in on a Saturday because this is my chance to separate myself from the pack. Or like, oh, a new cool idea is coming into mind for me that I can use and implement on a new project to work and get noticed better. So that reticular activating system is just a way by you noticing and reaffirming more of what you've been focusing on to begin with to help you receive more of it. Ladies and gentlemen, if you guys are listening to this, this is exactly the formula. Everything that you just detailed right there is exactly the formula and what the difference maker is between people who stay the same and those who grow into the person that they were meant to be. The difference between the perspective shift of seeing things as problems as opposed to opportunities those things have shifted in mine and Landon's life just throughout the three years of this podcast. And I loved what you said earlier um, about, hey, not being attached to that outcome, just doing the work and the outcome is just going to take care of itself. That's literally what consistency wins is to us. Like there mm. are some days where I'm not going to wake up motivated and all that stuff. And I pretty much most days at this point, I'm not waking up just rearing ready to go at 530 in the morning, excited to get to the gym and read my books and take all these meetings and stuff. But I built the discipline up because I know that the outcome is going to come because it's literally logic, math, and science through a proven system. And mm. so these, this is just the stuff that fires me up, man. So I could talk about this all day. But as we gather towards the 30-minute mark here, we want to make sure that this is also something that people can revert back to and continue to digest. What are some thoughts about your transition of all this stuff into how it became a book, how you became Andrew Cap the author? Mm-hmm. And then also, what are some after-podcast remarks that you want to leave our audience with? Yeah. Well, I mean, regarding like just how this works, it took me 11 years to finally decide to give myself permission to write this book. And it was basically a thing where 2008, where it finally clicked for me. And I'll say real quick, there's a part of the human mind that only cares about survival, only cares about your survival, which means it's looking around right now with all your money problems and your, and even your relationship problems, even your health problems. It's like, my person is alive. I don't want to risk the status quo. This is why when you try a new habit, like gratitude methods or like working out or like anything, you find it so easy for yourself to talk yourself out of it because it's that part of your mind that's kind of like hijacking because it's scared that any change in the status quo will be a threat to your survival. To which, by the way, an easy way around that is bypassing that and hitting the subconscious mind by choosing activities that are so enjoyable, like gratitude methods, that it's hard for your ego, that part of your mind, to talk you out of it. Now, that understanding, I realized this in 2008. It finally clicks for me. Doesn't isn't until 2019 where I'm just in my business and saying, listen, I want to do something new, but to be candid, I don't want to be impatient or bored interacting with my customers. What is it about my life? What is an integral part that actually really interests me that I can talk about? And it was law of attraction, but again, it'd been done to death. And I had to basically give myself permission to write this book and find a way of bringing something new to the conversation with the understanding that it would be harshly judged and that really did have to over-deliver, which is why I'm so grateful for the five-star reviews because it is such a widely spoken about topic. So long story, you know, too long didn't read. I became an author by choosing to. And I know that sounds too simplified, but obviously I brought my experience, you know, I brought over 11 years of life experience into the process, so I at least saw myself as enough of an authority to at least discuss this. In the worst case scenario, if people didn't like the book, they wouldn't have bought it. It wouldn't have been the end of my life. 
And that's kind of like, as I want to kind of like, you know, segue into in terms of final thoughts for people, technically, I mean, writing a book or, or doing something, some, sometimes something might cost you money and sometimes it might not. Like writing the book didn't cost me any money. There are things that you can do. There are choices you can make. There are decisions and roads you can go down that will not cost you money that you're, you're kind of like on the cusp of doing it and you're not, and something's holding you back. I would argue that it's that part of your mind that's worried about your survival. And I would use it as a reminder to say, listen, this is okay. Let me, as an experiment, just try to set my timer and think of things to be grateful for, for five minutes a day, knowing that if something happens, cool. And if it doesn't, well, I at least got that win in that moment. Physiologically speaking, I gave my body the gift of positive endorphins and positive emotions rather than worrying about my job or my business or my spouse or anything else. Right. No, that's great. That's great. So I am curious, two things. What does consistency mean to you? Kind of a broad, open-ended question there. So feel free to riff on that. But what does consistency mean to you? And then how can our listeners follow your journey? How can they connect with your content, maybe even purchase some of your books and whatnot? So what does consistency mean to you? And then how can we follow your content and get connected with you on a deeper level? Thank you so much for asking. I mean, consistency really just means sticking with it. But to riff a little bit more on that, because I mean, that's, that's so simple. The challenge is, okay, sticking with something. And like, what if it's, you know, sometimes things are going to be difficult. I would advise when you're beginning to be consistent in some way, find something that's easy or enjoyable for you to do because it'll help you build the muscle of being consistent. And it'll help you graduate to more difficult things like when you want to get in shape and you want to go through the pain of working out or whatever it might be. Try to find something to get you on your way for more momentum of that sticking with peace. With that in mind, I mean, in terms of where people can connect, ideally, hopefully I make the law of attraction simple and hopefully making selling more books simple through my other book. If you go to awesomemarvelous.com, it's got three links. You could either have links to my Amazon listings for the books, or you can check out my free YouTube channel where you can actually see what I talk about of the law of attraction, which it's kind of funny. It's dual purpose. If you're into the law of attraction, the content from there, again, which is free because it's YouTube, will reinforce your knowledge or your user friendliness of the law of attraction. But if you're more into like an entrepreneur, like, oh, how does this have a marketing value? You can actually just say, okay, well, how's Andrew using this to promote his book and get it out to the masses? So whether you pull out your wallet for a book, which only four bucks Kindle version, or you want to do free of charge YouTube stuff, it's just my sincere intention and wish that awesomemarvelous.com and the links in there serve everyone in some way, shape, or form. Well, we can assure you, Andrew, all links will be in our description. So for anybody listening, you can go check out the description with all the links to access all this content. Andrew, this has been awesome. A ton of value. We couldn't be more grateful to have you on and uh, to be able to provide this value. And I'm sure this is not the, the last time our audience will be hearing from you. Landon and Antonio, thank you so much for having me. And thank you to your audience for listening, you know, because that, that's time also and that's investment. So I appreciate you guys for having me here and asking such wonderful questions and pulling this out of me and to your audience for listening. I really do. Appreciate you, brother.